Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Today's episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei, who generously donated a $100 gift to the channel. Thank you for your generosity and support, Zelda Sensei. We will answer and read your question at the end of the episode. And joining me today, as always, is my co-host, MVG. Hey, what's going on, Nate? Great to be here. Always great to have you. And today we are going to have a counter-discussion to the topic we had earlier in the week where we talked about Microsoft's failure to launch and how the Xbox Series X and Series S, while very compelling and interesting hardware, doesn't have great software to launch with that hardware and how the hardware is basically launching with no true next-gen showcase. And to counter that, we're going to talk about the PlayStation 5, which is now available in North America and will be available in European regions next week. And in many ways, the Sony PlayStation 5 is a complete contrast to what we are seeing from Microsoft and the Series X. Whereas the Series X is very powerful, very well-put-together hardware, but it lacks the software. The PlayStation 5 has the software, but it seems to be encountering a number of hardware issues. And that's something that a lot of people have been talking about over the last week leading up to the launch. And... Problematic hardware is nothing new in this industry. Every piece of hardware launches and has some sort of problem. The Switch was scratching the screens whenever you docked it. The 3DS had a wobbly screen or some dead pixels. And the Xbox 360 is well known for the Red Ring of Death, where the system's continually overheated. The Series X uh, sets on fire and blows smoke out of its exhaust on the top there. Remember all those reports from earlier in the year where they said they were Xbox Series X were overheating. Who knew it would actually shoot smoke out of the top? That was a pretty funny internet prank, and it just proved how quick certain websites out there wanted to jump on anything they could cause a controversy out of. And they were made foolish when it was just I vaped and blew my smoke pretty much into my Xbox. So when I turned it on, it shot the smoke out. It's and- funny. It was the first thing I noticed when I saw that clip. I was like, "Come on, yeah. this is ridiculous! No, no system ex, ex, you know exhausts that much smoke these days. There's fail safes in place and and things like that. You know, the days of the magic smoke when your system just blows up that's that's long gone, long gone. But maybe we can thank Microsoft because now if someone tries to sell you their Series X on Craigslist or eBay and it says not from a smoker's home, you'll know they're a liar when you turn it on and it starts to shoot out a big puff of smoke, <laughs> and then you can call them and saying." I smell the tobacco and my system is exhausting a lot of your secondhand smoke. So I'd like a refund. (laughs) But the PlayStation 5, unfortunately, it does seem to have hardware issues. And some of them will likely be fixed in the very near future, possibly with a firmware update. And some of the missing functionality will be added with a firmware update. But it still is a discussion point because it seems as though the PlayStation 5 is launching for lack of a better word, hot. Mm -hmm. This is coming in very hot, and we knew both hardware were going to be launching in kind of a rushed state, per se, because, you know, we had the pandemic, which continues to cripple the world, and they, they pretty much expressed some concern that they wouldn't be able to launch in certain regions in 2020 and that they were open to the idea if one of the companies would delay till next year that the other would follow suit but neither did and here we are both systems launching in the same week just days apart and 
the PlayStation 5, we know now that the battery of the DualSense, a very innovative controller with the haptic triggers, may once again have a battery life issue. Based on some impressions, we've had it target as low as two hours, though this seems to be an outlier. And the majority of reports seem to suggest you'll get between four to ten hours. This is comparable to the DualShock 4. Do you think the battery life of the DualSense is any cause of concern? Um, I, I don't think so, Nate, but I will say that I do wish maybe they could have come back with a a better, longer-lasting controller. I mean, they did take away some features of the Dual, DualShock 4, um, but obviously they added the you know, the rumble, the haptic triggers and, and the new functionality in the controller that has, you know, the next-gen features that, that make the, the controller so good. But I do wish, you know, there was more work to being done to make the controller last longer. You know, I I mean, it's very hard to compare to something like the Switch Pro controller, but, I mean, you get, you get literally, you know, 20, 30 hours out of a Pro controller on the Switch, and it doesn't even, you know, miss a beat, right? So I do wish there was more more emphasis on retaining better battery life on on you know the new dual sense. But I also do understand that, you know, next gen comes with next gen features and you know the the haptic functionality that does have a toll on battery life. If you want if you want to experience it then it's going to, you know, it's going to drain your, your controller more. So you do have obviously the option to disable that stuff and then get a, a longer lasting controller, you know, battery life. But I do wish there was, there was you know, there was, there was more life out of the, the new DualSense. It's one of those things that I've always had issues with my DualShock 4 where like I'm playing halfway through a game and then I have to charge it again, you know, and... It doesn't seem like it's going to be a different experience with the DualSense on the PlayStation 5, which is unfortunate. But look, I also am not too concerned about about it. I mean, it's just one of those things that you just kind of... It's it's part of PlayStation. When you think PlayStation, you think of a controller <laughs> that, that you'll get between four to eight hours out of before you have to recharge it. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's not really a big deal to me that that they haven't done it, but I do wish they, they had put a little more emphasis on it. This is kind of one of those situations where I know Microsoft gets a lot of flack for not having a rechargeable battery in their controller by default, but this is a situation where I would like that option of being able to put in some AA batteries because if the rechargeable battery has expired yeah. and now it's, oh, I have to tether myself to charge it while I play, by having the option of just popping in those two AA batteries and resuming your game, that's just the option I prefer. And that's why I do like Microsoft having you know, that choice. You can buy a rechargeable play kit, or you can just put in some AA batteries or rechargeable AA batteries where you can put, was it like four or six or eight on a single charging kit? Yeah. And you can just swap in, swap out as you need. And I understand the convenience of why you want a, you know, just that recharge battery built into the controller. But sometimes options are, you know, for the better. I don't know. I, I don't know which way is better. Like I, I struggle with this because 
I I'm not a massive fan of the double A batteries, but for a preservation <laughs> perspective, it's the only thing that makes sense. You know, like like the, a lot of people will know this, but some some of the listeners may not that trying to get a working PlayStation Three controller today is almost impossible because every single one has a dead battery in there or there's just you know failure of the battery now sure you can you can open them up and replace those batteries but i mean the average person doesn't know how to do that you know what i mean and right now the dual shock fours i mean they're all still alive and well but eventually they're going to suffer the same fate as the dual shock threes and the dual the dual sensors are going to eventually you know suffer the same fate as the the dual shock threes as well so I do wish they they did go to the the you know traditional AA battery model which I think is is preferred but hey it's it's Sony you know they it works for them it has for a long time it sell it sold them millions and millions of systems so you can't really fault them for that I guess We'll be back after a quick break Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes, it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now yeah i mean aside from the battery life concerns and it's going to vary individual to individual whether or not the battery life is sufficient in you know your own your own standards the controller itself, all the impressions are very positive. It has some weight to it. It is fairly larger than the DualShock 4, and that's good for me. I have, you know, I have big hands. And everyone says the haptic triggers are really innovative, and a lot of people have compared it to HD Rumble, but it's something that's even further. It's an evolution of kind of what we saw Nintendo introduce, and one of the games that really will illustrate the benefits of the haptic triggers is Devil May Cry 5, where it said that if you've played the game, you know all about the rev system. Yeah. So now when you rev up using the trigger, it's kind of like the first rev, you go down so far. The second one, you'll go down a little further. Then that third rev, you'll go down even further. So it kind of feels like you're switching gears. Right. And that's a really engaging way to increase the immersion of a game like Devil May Cry 5, and we've heard some of the examples of how they want to use it in games like Call of Duty, where if you're using a heavy weapon, when you pull that trigger, you're going to get resistance. Where if you're using a lighter gun, like a pistol, it's a boom. It's a very quick trigger, not as much resistance. And these are immersive tools. Now, if there's something you just don't like play, you can disable them from a system system level. And my only concern with this, and it's similar to what happened with HD Rumble, is how long are we actually going to see developers utilize this type of feature in the controller? First party wise, I expect Sony will use it for at least those first 12 to 18 months. And then it's going to look at data and say, well, most of the players have disabled it on a system level, or maybe reviews are coming out and impressions are saying, we really don't like this feature anymore. And then they'll basically view a game and say, well, 
maybe we don't need it or we're going to make it an option. And third parties, you really can't depend on a third party to utilize such features outside of the first year. Because we saw HD Rumble was touted as this game-changing innovation for the Nintendo Switch. And I really can't name a dozen third-party examples that utilize this feature well. The only one I could say that used it really well was indie game Thumper, Mm -hmm. where you would feel the rumble on each side of the controller or the system based on the rail that you are grinding up against. And it felt really cool, but a lot of studios just defaulted back to basic rumble. And I fear that's what's going to happen with the dual sense with these haptic triggers and haptic feedback. Yeah, I I mean I can I can I can just talk about this. I mean, I I've, I've spoken to developers and the the message coming from Sony is we'd love you guys if you could implement the haptic rumble stuff in your games early on because it's something that they're trying to promote as a a feature of the PlayStation as as a next gen feature, but to your point, yeah, I mean, eventually it's one of those things that will just I don't want to say get overlooked, not get used it anymore, but you're right. Most third parties probably won't pick it up. And that's simply because there's no standardization between what Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony have as far as a a a, a, gen, a generic solution or a generic API that you can use across all three of them, right? So it takes more time to, you know, to get get it working on 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 PlayStation. But I mean, as we know writing games is is hard you know shipping games is is impossible so there's not going to be i think that that leeway given to you know get haptic rumble working on the playstation build you know when when there's such a very aggressive timeline to get you know your game out the door and shipped type of thing so yeah i mean will kojima productions you know do some unique stuff with the haptic rumble when whatever game he's working on next yes i mean i'm sure he'll come up with some really interesting and unique ways and and i think the feature is really cool i love the fact that right now it's it's being you know touted as a really interesting next gen feature for sony playstation 5 but yeah nate to your point i would expect it to start falling off as far as it's you know the amount of times it does get used other than you know the first party games going forward yeah and it's always disappointing to see a feature be introduced with the introduction of a new generation. And it seems really cool and innovative at first. And then all of a sudden it is just forgotten for, you know, any number of reasons, as you've mentioned. So it's, I guess it's really on Sony to continue to push the idea that this can be game changing. This could be game selling. Yeah. If you as a developer and the publisher are able to market it as a very, ingenious and immersive way to experience the game that you can't get on any other platform but that is a challenge and sometimes it's easier to say let's put in the basic rumble right we don't need to exhaust too much effort into making you know some crazy new rumble or the way the triggers are going to resist to this feature or that feature let's let's just do the standard and ship the game out and people will enjoy it yeah staying on the topic of software as we've said in the previous discussion when we were talking about microsoft's lack of software sony is coming out with a strong roadmap of what they have to come with the ps5 in those first 12 to 18 months we have seen demon souls 
it's available now on the PlayStation 5, and it is joined with Spider-Man Miles Morales and Sackboy's Big Adventure. And in 2021, we know that Gran Turismo is coming, Ratchet and Clank, and Horizons Forbidden 2 West. in the second half of 2021. Yeah, Forbidden West. Yes, Forbidden West. And there's a there's going to be a lot more Sony published or in Sony developed games coming out in 2021, you know, also like God of War 2. Yeah, and, and Re- Returnal and some of these other games that, yes. that uh, they were showing off at their um, state of play <laughs> recently as well. Yeah, you got Tokyo Ghostwire. You got some of those Times exclusives. So the roadmap of software is very strong for Sony. And that's where this point kind of gets me a little concerned. But this could be alleviated in the near future. We simply don't have an answer to it yet. And it's that Sony has disabled the SSD expansion on the PlayStation 5 right now. And for launch day, I can see us giving them a pass on this because you're not going to fill up that 667 gigabytes on launch day, even if you buy Call of Duty and have to install 150 plus gigs, and then you decide to buy NBA and put another 150 gigs, you're still going to have space available. But why, as the company, would you want to disable your memory expansion solution right out of the box? Or is it simply because there are no SSD options that the consumer can even buy that you can use on the PlayStation 5 right now due to speed limitations? Well, I think we can only speculate and I, for me, I, I think there's there's two reasons for this. The first one is maybe they haven't really tested this and they've just disabled it for now as far as, you know, they've been testing drives with this and they've got some idea about how this is going to work, but they haven't whitelisted anything at the moment because they just simply haven't had enough time. I mean... You mentioned that the system is coming in hot. I mean, this is probably the hottest launch of of any launch, you know? Like this system to me seems like it needs a little bit need a little bit more time just to to cook in the oven, you know, ideally like February, March kind of around spring break time, you know, in the United States would would have been what Sony was probably really wanting. They probably need a little bit more time, but hey, I mean, we're here. It's the holiday season now. And, you know, it's the, the, the you know, the, the console, um, the sales war starts today, right, with Microsoft and, and the PS5. So I think they've had to make some sacrifices to get this system out the door. And one of those is to disable the ex- external SSD expansion. And I think it's simply because they know that, you know, every every kind of tech, person is going to grab their m2 drives that they have laying around on their desk and start plugging them in and seeing what they can do with it and i think they want to just reduce points of failure right now and you know just come up with a a solid solution for for this and you know i think we'll well, i mean we'll definitely see this get re-enabled or get enabled but it's probably going to be january february time frame before we actually get information and direction on what drives uh will work and 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 what we can expect to see but i think like i said nate i think it's it's simply you know it's a potential point of failure that they don't want to have to deal with especially now when you know if you buy a a ps5 and you're lucky enough to get a pre-order and you have a system and you're getting one today i mean if you have to send one back for repair i mean who knows when you're going to get one back it could be 
could be yeah. quite a while. So I think they're just trying to mitigate the you know the potential you know failures that they, they that may occur. I think I can give them a pass on the SSD expansion for the internal drive being disabled because you know as you've said you can't really get an SSD that you're going to be plugging into that. That's up to the standards that Sony has said that they want the speeds. But the external drive not being available to transfer PS5 games to... That's a problem. That is problematic. And we know you can't play PS5 software from an external hard drive. It was simply a means. It's the... I guess you could say it's the freezer to your fridge. Right. It's, I ran out of space, I need to put it in the freezer, and then I can take it out and I'll thaw it when I want to play it. Right now, it's... If I bought Call of Duty, NBA, Assassin's Creed, let's just say I bought every launch game because I have infinite funds and I have infinite amount of time. Right. So I buy every PS5 launch game. Well, I can only store maybe... Let's go highball, we'll say 10. Yeah. I can store, I can store 10 PS5 games on that internal SSD. The rest... I just have to leave as uninstalled and event and then delete one of the 10 I have and then choose the game I want to play. So if I'm a big Call of Duty fan and I'm a big Madden fan and a big FIFA fan and all the games that are large in size, I now have to make the choice of saying, well, I'm going to, I'm going to delete my NBA 2K file so I can play Spider-Man. Right. Well, I played Spider-Man today and I want to play some NBA 2K. Now I have to delete Spider-Man and re-download 150 gigabytes to play NBA. And that is a very disappointing scenario to be in. Because we've seen the transfer speeds. The transfer, at least on the Xbox Series X, to transfer a game over only took a few minutes. I think in some cases it took like 10 to 15 minutes, which really isn't that long in the grand scheme of things. It's a lot better than downloading a 150 gigabyte file that could potentially take people hours, if not days. And I mean, I guess someone could counter that saying, well, if your internet speed is that slow, why did you get the game digitally? Yeah. But we also have to remember, and this problem isn't exclusive to the PS5. It's also a problem with the Xbox is that even if you buy the game physically, once you put that disc in, it installs the entire game onto your SSD so you're not saving yourself any space. Yes, right. the installation off disk is going to be quicker than digital download. Right. But it seems like an odd decision for Sony to say, no, you cannot put PS5 games on an external drive for storage at launch. And this, maybe they release a patch within a week. We don't know yet, but this is something they should have had day one, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think Microsoft definitely wins points for their solution right now, even though, you know, the only option you have for a, the, the external storage is the $219 one terabyte Seagate drive. You still have, you know, you still have different options as far as moving, moving games around, you know, moving things off, off the internal storage onto external storage. There's, you know, they've definitely got a much better solution for this. And and it seems like Sony's really, I mean, you're either on the internal and that's really about it. And, you know, pray that you don't fill up your drive, you know, and it is unfortunate. And I do think that that Sony does need to, you know, do some work to get get this under control. But hey, look, they've got the they've got the benefit of, you know, the holiday season where there's a few games coming out. And I think most people will enjoy those and not worry too much about, 
you know, what's coming, but I think they definitely have some work ahead of them, you know, going into January next year to, to get to get some of these updates out to really, you know, give people what they want with with regards to the storage. Yeah, it still feels like we're kind of running on a firmware that's not quite I'll dub it one point Yeah, and it's funny because I would have expected to see a like a day one firmware get released today that that would alleviate some of these issues. But again, it just seems like, you know, it's they're a little bit further behind where they, they need to be, you know, with this stuff. Yeah, it's definitely curious because having review or hardware out there and not having all the features enabled, sometimes that's actually a planned move where the manufacturer doesn't want the reviewer to have access to everything yet. Right. And but they always make a note in the embargo sheets that there will be a day one firmware update that will enable this feature, this feature, you know, et cetera. And that wasn't actually relayed this time. It's just some of these features are disabled and they will enable them in the future. But I would say buying a PlayStation 5 right now, if you have intentions of buying a lot of software, you know, the Demon Souls, Spider-Man, NBA, Madden, Call of Duty, et cetera, that you now actually have to say to yourself, Am I going to run out of storage space? Yeah, because you really don't want to have to rely on constantly having to delete and re-download or delete and reinstall. Yeah, it just I becomes mean, you know a convoluted mess. I've been I've been working with the uh, Series S the last you know week and mm-hmm. a half, and I'm literally looking at half the size of the drive as the PlayStation Five. And let me tell you, it's not fun juggling things around. You know, downloading something and then being told <laughs> that you've you've run out of space and you have to free up space. It does get it does get very very frustrating very quickly and look I mean most people you know will only play a couple of games at a time um, mm. and I think you know it's not going to be a, a a huge deal but if yeah like you said Nate if you if you want to download your your FIFA and your Madden and then you want to download Call of Duty um, and then maybe play some some backward compatible games like Ghost of Tsushima or last of us part two i mean they're, they're big downloads as well all of a sudden you're really going to be eating to eating into that space very quickly and then it's it's going to eventually get to a point where you have to make some decisions about you know what you want to do so since we brought up the idea of like you know ghost of tsushima and the last of us part two i'm going to talk about some of the backwards compatibility of the playstation 5 and kind of how it compares to the xbox series x because we've seen demonstrations that showed the load times of ps5 versus the series x Using miscellaneous examples, be it Marvel's Avengers or, you know, The Witcher 3. Yep. And in most cases, the games are loading up incredibly fast. There's some discrepancies, you know, a few seconds here or there. And even when they were comparing games that are only on PS5 and Series X, like Devil May Cry 5, the in-game load times, we're looking at like five seconds versus four seconds. They're all very fast near instant in some cases but when it came to the backwards compatibility some rare cases were actually showing ps4 games if you had an external ssd connected through usb loaded faster on a playstation 4 or playstation 4 pro than what they were loading on a playstation 5 and this left a lot of people confused but it seems like it's likely a case of the playstation 5 because the backwards compatibility games are not optimized it's just the PlayStation 5 is not opening the games yeah. due to the PS4 compression that it's not 
running the game beyond what the compressed file is allowing it to. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, you, you're, you're absolutely on the money, Nate. I mean, the, the first thing I want to say here is, look, the raw performance and power of the PlayStation 5 SSD will never change. It's it's very fast, right? So it all goes back to how it's utilized, how developers make use of, of the drive. Like I saw um, John Linneman talk to the developers of Demon Souls today, Bluepoint, and they were talking about how they, you know, how they basically were building the game, but they didn't have the SSD kind of enhanced patches in and then eventually they added them in at some point during the game's development and everything just started running extremely fast. And they were like, you know, wow, this is next gen. So, you know, they had that moment where they realized this is this is a game changer. And I think it's, it's a very similar situation with backward compatibility. Just because you have a fast SSD doesn't out of the gate automatically mean that you're going to have fast loading. And in the case of backward compatibility, essentially what's going on is there is a lot of things that happen that when you translate a PlayStation 4 game to a PlayStation 5 game, it's not a one-to-one translation where it's like, well, it's running x86 over here. So we're running x86 on the PS5. So it should just work. There is a lot of things that happen. For example, like you said, Nate, there's decompression. There is shaders that have to get recompiled. There is, there's a lot of translation that goes on to get a PS4 game running on a ps5 and i would say in in and i don't know this for a fact but i would say that because microsoft has spent a lot more time streamlining their backup compatibility process and they've literally mm-hmm. spent 15 years refining and i'm not saying sony hasn't because i think their solution for ps4 on ps5 is a pretty good one but they haven't they haven't you know focused as much attention on backup compatibility i think it's a fair statement then they have some areas where they're they're going to fall behind, and this this is definitely one of them. Now, is this a a a huge deal? No, I don't think so. It's definitely something that can be addressed if Sony chooses to do so. We know that you know they're not always the most receptive when it comes to going back <laughs> in their cat to their catalog to to get things working. You know, uh, hopefully they will, but they also have their hands full again with the PS Five and and but hopefully this is something they do take a look at. But also we'll say that other times that much of a concern, you know, like some of them are like 20% slower than the Series X, for example. I think Final Fantasy 15 was the one that I noticed that was, you know, maybe 20 seconds slower. And I guess everyone just assumed it was going to be like, you know, half the speed of the Xbox Series X for some reason. And I was a little bemused <laughs> when people were a little confused as to why it wasn't. But yeah, I mean, you know, you put the work in, you you get you get the optimizations, you get the gains, and I think I think that's really what what it comes down to with with this. And hopefully they will they will put this on the roadmap of of things they need to address, you know, in in twenty twenty one, and and we'll we'll definitely get to see that. But um, it's very hard to say right now because you know, I mean, let me let me ask you this: like, if you're if you're Sony, you know, if you're the 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 VP of um you know of delivery and you're road mapping, you know, what, what you need to do for next year, Nate, where do you put this on the list, right? It's probably not on top. It's probably, I don't know, you know, three quarters down the list maybe. I mean, you know you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely, it'd definitely be at the bottom because I want to prioritize the new software that I'm yeah. developing. I don't want to prioritize 
backwards compatibility, especially at a large scale, I might prioritize our own titles. Like we've seen The Last of Us Part 1 remastered get a patch on PlayStation 4 that also reduced the load times by, I believe, to a factor of, like, it was significant. Yeah. I think it cut it down in half, if not more. Right. And that was clear preparation for the PlayStation 5. So, yeah, I'm going to look at games like Last of Us Part 2 or Bloodborne. I'm saying, how how much better can we improve these? And I'm going to optimize those games. The rest of the things, third-party games, if it takes, if you go down from, let's use, you know, as an example, if it took a game two minutes to fully load on the PlayStation 4, and with no optimization, it's 35 seconds on the PS5, I'm going to say, it's good enough. We cut it down by you know, a factor of 65 to 70%. I think people will be pleased with that result. Yeah. If there is that rare case where somehow it is taking longer than the PlayStation 4 did, I think I just wash my hands of it unless it is a prestigious game. Otherwise, it's just, you're not going to hook up your PlayStation 4 to play that game. You know you're not. Yeah. So you know, deal with it type of scenario, which, I mean, that's kind of a reminder. Companies aren't our friends. They're about making money, they're a business, and they're going to look at it case by case and say, is it is it really worth addressing? Probably not in the vast majority of them. And, I mean, like you brought up, Microsoft has spent hours and hours, months and years to make their backwards compatibility solution as top-notch as it is. Sony has invested a fraction of that. So you have to applaud Microsoft for their dedication. Sony and backwards compatibility, it's not a focus of theirs. It is not a focus of Jim Ryan's. We should probably be grateful that it is as strong as it is on PlayStation 5 because there was concerns, you and I expressed them, of what exactly are we getting from Sony and backwards compatibility on PlayStation 5? Is it just going to be the equivalent of a PlayStation 4 Pro? We're going to put in the game and we're just going to get those type of benefits or is it going to go above and beyond? And they did go above and beyond in numerous ways. Yep. may not be to the same heights that we're seeing from Microsoft, but it's still a very viable and impressive solution where I can play all my PlayStation 4 games on the PS5 and say, hey, I'm generally speaking getting a better experience. And I never upgraded to a PlayStation 4 Pro, so it'll be nice to see some of those increased you know, visuals and performance and select games, be it a Last of Us Part Two or Ghost of Tsushima. So it is, you know, it's promising. And where, I mean, Sony still has the edge with the SSD over Microsoft. I believe it was Devil May Cry 5 where they did the initial boot on Polygon and the PS5 booted up, I think it was around 19 seconds. And it took the Xbox Series X, I believe it was about 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. But part of that 40 seconds it was that the Xbox was doing the background internet. Right, check. right, right. And it, PS5 just seemed like it went through it quicker. Yep. And, you know, maybe that time was changed. It wasn't Polygon, it was Kotaku. That's my mistake. And, you know, those might be some of the difference we see in very select cases. But the in-game loads of like four seconds on PS5 to five seconds on the Xbox Series X, that's probably going to be the norm we're seeing. And hopefully it doesn't become a fanboy war of, my system is 1.5 seconds faster than yours. At those types of difference, it's minuscule. It's a blink of an eye. No one's going to notice it unless you put it side by side or in written context to say three is faster than five. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, both have really good SSD. The backwards compatibility solution, Microsoft does have the edge. 
Sony can continue to firmware update the hardware, optimize some of the software if they want to improve their experience. It's up to them. We really don't know what Jim Ryan's vision is for backwards compatibility. I'd like Hopefully to think that the, I'd like to think they take a look at the analytics, you know, over the next six or twelve months, because there will be people that are playing a lot of PS4 games on their PS5, right? You, there'll be people that are playing Ghosts and Last of Us and and, and games like that on their PS5 and and in backward compatibility mode. Whether they take that data that that those analytics and and maybe you know i don't want to say change their mind but take a look at it and say hmm maybe we maybe we need to focus on this a little bit more especially in the first you know two years because you know we've got games coming but you know the the amount of games um are still going to be spread out a little further along than what we want them to be so maybe we should you know boost our backward compatibility and and focus on that some more but again i i don't know if it's if it's you know if it's high priority for them i think it's probably in the medium low category for them but i would like to see them definitely improve you know some of the things but i mean what i've seen so far nate i don't have the system uh, hopefully i'll get one in the next couple of days and i'll definitely be focusing on backup compatibility testing myself it seems promising it looks good it's a a very good solution and honestly it surprised me because i didn't think that they were this far along with backward compatibility i thought maybe it would be something that would work but maybe just be more one-to-one like you said with the ps4 pro and not really offer anything significant so i am very happy to see see what they've done and and they've definitely got a good good launching pad here to to make improvements if if they if they choose to do so now there is an area where if i'm sony i'm prioritizing this and it's in a number of areas, but right now we've had reports from reviewers that their systems have actually broke. Yep. And as we alluded to earlier, I mean, it's not uncommon for hardware to fail, especially in that initial wave, but some review outlets, PlayStation 5s have broke. And Jeff Gersman of Giant Bomb has also encountered an issue where whenever he put his PlayStation 5 into rest mode while playing Spider-Man Remastered, it would crash the system and it would force it into the repair your external drive process whenever he started it back up. And this was an ongoing issue. We would have to, you know, there doesn't seem to be a simple solution. It seems unknown. And right now, Insomniac is investigating it and whether or not it's an issue with Spider-Man remaster. But could this actually just be a, is this a hardware issue or is this a software issue? Because right now it could actually be either one but i think the concerning thing is some of the review units that have broke encountered a very similar problem and it makes me wonder is it the ssd bridge yeah is it well um the other person that i'm aware of is carrick from acg he he had a, a similar issue where his it rendered his ps5 unusable and now sony shipping him out a new one while they investigate what's going on I think, Nate, I think this is probably something that can be fixed in a firmware patch. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too concerned that it's a hardware flaw. If it was a hardware flaw, then wow, that's that would be that would be pretty devastating if that was the case. I suspect what's happening here is that um you know, when there's a when when one of those 
rep- um, you know, re- repair your drive uh, processes or rebuild your database processes come up. It's usually when something has shut down, you know, abnormally, right? Or if, you know, sometimes like your PlayStation will, will turn itself off um, halfway through or maybe you get like a power surge or something that, that you know, that shuts down your PS4 or it overheats or something. And then you turn it back on and you get that rebuilding your database. It's a similar thing here, I would I would suspect, in that the SSD is probably working overtime. It's doing all sorts of, you know, read and write activity to the SSD as the game is running. And for some reason it's it's you know, it's forcing that that repair process to to kick in. I don't I don't think it's a hardware thing. Um, and I don't want, you know, to alarm anyone, certainly, that, that it is. I do think, though, it's definitely something we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on, you know, as as the launch of the PS5 comes out, especially today when, you know, more people start getting their hands on the system. Will we hear more, you know, reports of this or, or is this truly a, an isolated thing? Hopefully it, it is an isolated thing. Maybe it's, you know, just, you know, isolated to review units, I guess. But we'll definitely have to keep a close eye on this one because, look, the, the the problem if there is a problem with the the PlayStation 5 and the SSD it's this it's that if that SSD controller fails then you've got a paperweight you know what i mean like there's, there's there's no recovery like even even the Xbox Series X i mean you've mm-hmm. seen the internals um i've done a teardown on it um Spawnwave did a teardown the M2 drives can be replaced now i'm not saying you can just swap them in yourself but you could send mm-hmm. them back to Microsoft Service Center and they could just, you know, replace the drive for you or they could even ship out a drive for you and you could do it yourself. I'm not I'm not suggesting that's what they would do, but <laughs> there is a path there to to potentially replace your drive, right? On the PlayStation 5, if that controller dies, then you have no recourse, right? There's nothing you can do and and unless, you know, there's a way to, you know, enable the the external drive that's that's in the system um which currently is not even working but you know what i'm saying like so i think i think you know it's paramount and i'm sure sony has done hundreds of thousands of hours of testing on this you know on the ssd that's an exaggeration Mm -hmm. they've done they've done but they've done a lot of testing (laughs) they have to make sure that, that that ssd controller is bulletproof and that made that does make me believe that this is more of a firmware problem nate but again, you know, we'll we'll have to see how this one plays out because this one, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not panicking. I don't think this is a a, a concern, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on for sure. I want to I want to hopefully not hear more stories about this going forward. Yeah, because it seems like based on how these two systems are made, the Xbox and the PlayStation Five, that the main point of failure would likely be the SSD because everything else seems to be high end, well put together. And as you brought up, the SSD, if it does fail, does present a very challenging problem because the OS should be on the SSD. Yep. So it's not as simple as, you know, as you said, you can't just take out the SSD of your Series X or your Series S and say, I want a two terabyte, I you know, I want a two terabyte one and put it on. If it doesn't have the OS on it, it's not gonna do anything. The system is just a big paperweight. And if the PlayStation 5 is set up the same way and has the OS on the SSD, you can't just swap out and put in a new one to replace it and say, oh, all the problems are fixed. You have to send it back to Sony for you know, a full-on replacement. And 
it doesn't appear that we're on the verge of a new Red Ring of Death. Right. Or Blue Ring of Death, whatever Sony has it on their system. So it doesn't seem like we're at that point. It's just you kind of look at the system kind of like, um, hopefully we don't see this become a widespread issue. It's never a good look when reviewers have defective yeah. systems. I mean, I think that's really the, the big takeaway here is, I mean, we hear about it from the general public, you know, that they, they have potentially issues, but you've you've got two different reviewers out there and they have the same problem and that's that's not a good look you know that 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 whole thing perception is reality is really something that that is apparent here and again hopefully this is not something that that we we hear about after you know after today hopefully yeah i think that's the big thing is you see the you see this news and it's kind of like okay that makes me a little concerned but as long as it doesn't become widespread after launch we're probably in the clear, but obviously, as we said, every system has a certain percentage of failure, especially out of that first few months. Something's bound to fail. These systems are mass produced. It could be just not enough thermal paste. It can be yep. screw is slightly off. Something will fail. We just have to make sure. We just hope it's not a widespread issue. And I'm sure Sony is looking into it. I'm sure Insomniac is looking into it and saying, okay, this is a firmware issue. This is a software issue. We can now. Yeah. look into it we can do our bug testing we can find the problem we can solve it before it becomes a rampant issue because even if it is a firmware or software issue if a lot of people start to encounter it you do kind of get a sense of fear if you're a potential consumer saying oh no i haven't picked up my ps5 yet and i'm hearing everyone playing this game that their ps5 continues to go into a reboot mode and you get a black screen and you have to go through these steps to you know rebuild the database and you might say i can wait a few months now you work out the bugs. Right. And it's just a narrative you don't want as a company. Yeah, and absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully it's not that big of a deal. Now, there are a couple of areas that Sony may address, but they may not. And it's that the PlayStation 5 does not support 1440p, and it doesn't have VRR support. Now, can you explain to the listener why having VRR is important? Well, I mean, I think the best way to um, to talk about VRR, which is you know variable refresh rate, is it's one of those things where it gives you that kind of silky smooth look, even though the frame rates are all kind of jumping around. And I think the best example I've seen would be if you go and watch the um, the Devil May Cry video that that Digital Foundry just brought out um, a few days ago they kind of illustrate why VRR is important because you've got that high res with that, that high refresh rate, 120 Hertz mode, which never quite gets there. Right. And, and it just looks like, you know, a real jumpy mess of a game, even though it's running at like 108, 109 frames per second. In theory, you should be getting a really smooth experience at that frame rate, but because there's no variable refresh rate functionality to, to kind of smoothen out that experience for you, then it just doesn't look very good. And uh, Microsoft does have the edge right now with, with VRR on, on their system. So it's definitely something that Sony will want to, you know, put into a future revision of their firmware, especially, you know, when we're starting to see that even though it's a system that targets 4K 60 or even higher refresh rates at 120 hertz, 
I mean, we're already starting to see that some some games, even though they're targeting that frame rate, are not going to lock at 4K 60, right? So having that option available to you really does does make it make things a lot better. You know, you want that you want that smooth, you know, looking screen, you want that low latency uh-huh. and you just want a good experience on a big television. And if you don't, then, you know, you're going to get torn frames, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a juddery experience. And ultimately, it's something Sony really needs to to consider adding in, you know, onto their onto their firmware in in the near future, I would say. Now, of the two, would you say VRR is more important than the 1440p support, or are they equally important? Because if you don't have 1440p support with some of these games that have dynamic resolution, you could actually be playing a PS4 game that is trying to target 4K, and it could drop all the way to 1080p. And when you're playing that on your 4K TV, it's not going to look as sharp as you're hoping. But if you had the 1440p option, at least you kind of have that middle ground. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. I mean, both both features are pretty important. Um, but if I had to say, you know, again, if I was the product manager, at the, the VP of product delivery at Microsoft and I had to make a choice, I, I'd probably go with VRR as, as the more important one. 1440p is definitely important. And I think it's something that they want to add. But I, I, I think the 1440p omission is just a a leftover from the PlayStation 4 days because I mean if you take a look at some of the settings options in the PS5 UI it looks very PS4 to me you know it looks very PS4 Pro like they I don't want to say they just you know they took that firmware and they didn't add anything to it but they I think they use that as the baseline of of the PlayStation 5's firmware and you know again it's one of those things where you're, you're running low on time you have to you have to bake in as much as you can before the launch of the system to make consumers happy then you know something has to you know get get you know eliminated i guess or, or miss out and i think 1440p unfortunately was one of them but i do think 1440p especially when games will run at 1440p checkerboard or there'll be a native 1440p mode that that upreses to 4k with you know reconstruction Stuff like that, you know, it's it's going to be important to have that 1440p mode because if you don't have a 1440p capable display or if or if you don't have a 4K display, then it's going to just drop back to 1080p. And you know, or, or on the flip side, you may have a 4K display, but because your PlayStation 4, or your PlayStation 5 doesn't have a 1440p mode, then it may drop you back to to 1080p if you don't have hdmi 2.1 so there's all sorts of weird permutations you know with 1440p not being a part of the ps5 firmware at this time but yeah again i I think i think they'll add it but you know whether whether it's higher priority than than we think i'm not sure but i'd like to think it's definitely something they they think about adding over the holidays but yeah i mean I, i would say you know variable refresh rate is probably something that has more priority over the the, the 1440p mode. Now, one final area that seems like maybe this comes in a firmware update is that the PlayStation 5 does not have quick resume, which is one of the Xbox Series X and Series S's premier features. And it's kind of a feature that people had just assumed would be on the PlayStation 5. And 
I guess Sony let the fans fight this war for them because Sony never really addressed it. We really didn't get a clear answer until review units went out and people said there is no, you know, quick resume. There is a suspend play, which is similar to what we saw on the PlayStation 4, where you can play the game, you can suspend it, you put your system into standby mode, you can come back two days later, you pick it up and you play, you know, right where you were. But with the SSD, is really not that much of a benefit to have just the suspend play because we've seen Spider-Man loads up in just a few seconds and games like Astro's Playroom, Mm -hmm. you have the activity cards where you can just jump right into a level in just, I think it was like two to three seconds. So it almost seems like Sony is using the activity cards as a replacement of sorts to quick resume. But in reality, activity cards are basically glorified hyperlinks. They're hyperlinks to certain areas of the game. So if you're playing Devil May Cry 5 and you want to go to Bloody Palace, you just go to the activity card for Bloody Palace and it's going to load you up right into that. So on its own, I think activity cards are a very engaging and very kind of exciting yeah. new feature to see on the PlayStation 5. But I wouldn't say it replaces Quick Resume because the benefit of Quick Resume is that I can be playing Tetris Effect Connected. I can go into the journey mode and you could shoot me a DM on Discord or Twitter and say, Nate, let's play a quick multiplayer match of Gears of War 5. Mm-hmm. I say, man, I'm right in the middle of a zone on Tetris Effect and I want to get I want to clear 20 of them really quick. So I, boom, quick resume, suspend it, go into Gears 5, play with you, go right back into my Tetris game. It's going to be, you know, right where I left off. And I can even leave Gears 5 running in the background. And Sony doesn't have their own solution. They don't have their own option of this. And it does sound like it's something they are working on. It will come in the distant future. But... Do you think the omission of it is glaring or do you think it's kind of just a, is it a buzz feature for Microsoft? Is it something Sony actually needs? That's a good question. It's hard to answer right now because I mean, I've experienced quick resume on the series S and I love the feature, but to be very clear, I mean, I was using it when I was reviewing the the Xbox series S. So I was jumping around between games, you know, and I was getting a great experience from doing that, but that's not my normal workflow. You know what I'm saying? Like my normal workflow is I'm playing a game and I'm turning off my Xbox at the end of the night. And then the next day I I resume and it's nice to jump back into that game, which is what Sony offers, right? So, I mean, what they have is what, what I'm looking for is what they have out of the box. So I'm good there. However, um, your scenario about, hey, you know, let's play a, a multiplayer Gears. I mean, that is a very compelling scenario to me where I can just hop out of a game, jump in and do something else. And one of the things that I really like, and I've been doing this with the Series S, is I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and then I'm logging into Game Pass because I see something on the EA store that I want to grab, for example, Dead Space 2. So I download that and when that's ready, I'm still playing Valhalla. Then I jump into Dead Space 2 and start playing playing that and getting, you know, you know, loving that for a couple of hours and then jumping back to Valhalla. So I am finding <laughs> that I'm starting to get on board with Quick Resume. Uh-huh. And I do think is it a is it a glaring omission that that Sony has to incorporate? I don't know if they need to do that, but 
it's definitely something that I would miss, you know, if I don't have that feature. So I do wonder if it's something that they think is important enough to, you know, to add, you know, at least maybe between two games. Because I know on the Xbox, I think you can, you can have up to four games um, at, at the same time. So something similar would definitely be, would be something that I would like to see Sony do on, on the mm-hmm. PS5. Yeah, it seems like the real benefit of quick resume, because I know a lot of people will say, you know, I don't need it. The SSDs are so fast, I can get right into the games, you know, and lightning speed anyways. But it's really kind of how your example was, is that you're playing Valhalla and you could just be in the middle of walking around. You're not near, you know, an area to save and you just, you suspend the game. You jumped into your dead space, you jump into any other game and you just go right back to Valhalla and it's right where you left off. And that's the benefit of quick resume. Yeah. And like before when I was thinking about it, I'm like, I'm probably not going to use it that much. But then the more I thought about it, it was like there will be times where I'm playing a game where I'm not going to be in an area where I can save or maybe the game doesn't have a save anytime feature. And that's going to be where I really use it. Now, out of like the launch games, there's really not that many options right. of you know where I'm going to be like, oh, man, I'm in this epic, crazy boss battle that's taking forever and I can't save. So I'm going to quick resume it so I can go play something else in the meantime. But eventually we could hit that point. And maybe that's when Sony kind of says, okay, let's do it ourselves. We want to have at least, you know, two to three game functionality. And obviously that's something that Sony would have to investigate the OS and say, do we have the space and the RAM and, you know, everything prioritized to make this reality. It's not as simple as just snapping their finger and saying, boom, new feature. They have to look at the resources available to them. And it's kind of like the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Everyone says, why isn't the Switch's OS more dynamic? It's because Nintendo's made that OS to operate on 500 megabytes of RAM. It's yeah. very sterile and non-obtrusive by design. It's You can't just add these brand new features because they had not allocated RAM to run that OS. So there's a lot of work that goes on in the background to get these type of features up and running. And that's where it just feels like Microsoft is ahead of the game compared to Sony when it came to the hardware and features and firmware. Microsoft had their priority. They knew what features they wanted at launch. They knew they wanted to have expandable storage. They knew they wanted to have the SSD option for $220. They knew they wanted to have quick resume. They knew they wanted to have all these features up and ready. And Sony kind of said, we have suspend play. Our OS works. It's snappy. It's fast. And we have the activity cards. Everything else can come at a later date. Is it a big deal in the grand scheme of things? It depends on you as the consumer. If you want more from the operating system and you want more features, Microsoft may be in the lead to you. If you just want a snappy OS and just to go right into your games, then Nintendo or the PlayStation 5, you know, from Sony might be what you prefer. And, you know, that's the interesting thing with these companies is each one has their own priority and their own focus of how they wanted to deliver their system. And Microsoft was really a more dynamic way of play, where Sony went kind of that more simplistic route, at least out of the box, of you can get into your game fast. Yeah. It works. I mean, as a gamer, I like that. Which way is better? Ooh. (laughs) I mean, it's tough, because I look at the Switch, and I love how there's there's no ads. There's nothing crazy. It's just tiles hit the thing, game boots up. And I'm in my game. Sony kind of feels like they went with that similar path. But at the same time, this is 
no, it's the PlayStation Five. When you look at the PS4 and you had had all these features and stuff, you know, Sony wants to have these features. It's just a case of we kind of got the system out very quick and we don't have time to implement them yet. And Microsoft, Microsoft wants to be that one box in your living room, right? Where you could you could suspend Valhalla because you want to watch a movie with your kids, or yep. you want so you boot up Netflix. Or you want to, you know, use Hulu. You want to use those multimedia services, and then your kid comes. Oh, I want to play. You know, I want to play Tetris with you. Okay, grab the second controller and you boot up Tetris while Valhalla is still suspended. And it's like it's it's very intuitive and welcoming. Just that breadth of options, and I think that's where Microsoft might have the edge is that they are giving the player and the user so many options, but does it come at a cost? Is that something that maybe you would want it to save, you know, a few gigabytes of that, you know, SSD that's going towards quick resume yeah. and have that accessible to your game storage? You know, the if you weigh the pros and the cons, maybe it still strikes a balance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the Xbox Series S and X dashboard, I mean, it's I mean, let's be honest, it's almost identical to the One X, right? So I I, I wonder if, you know, they had more time to focus on some of those new enhancements because they had that baseline of the the current dashboard and the current firmware. Sony, you know, they didn't rewrite a new, you know, user interface, user experience from scratch, but I think they did obviously a lot more work on on the user experience of the UI side because they you know they've definitely changed it since the PS4 days. So yeah, I mean I think really that's what they felt was more important to to give the user a better experience just to just to play games, you know. So I don't I don't fault them for that, but I do think there's definitely some work they need to do because when you got the PlayStation 4 Pro and the PS4 and you have features on those that have been taken away on the PS5. That's when people ask questions like, "Well, I, this was working on the PS4, PS4 Pro. Why, why can't I have it on the? Why can't I move my games onto external storage? You know, why can't, why, why can't I do stuff like that?" So I think that's the things that Sony really need to to, to address. Otherwise, they come out and say we're not we're not gonna, we're not planning on doing that, which is not something you know they'll they'll do. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's just. Man, it's it's obviously you know it's been very they've been going at a hundred miles an hour with this launch. Like, uh-huh. I mean, I made a video a few weeks ago, or actually it was it was six weeks ago now, saying that I was a little unsure about where the PS Five was, right? And look, I, I do I do admit that maybe it was a bit of a I don't want to say clickbait, but it was one of those videos where I was just you know stirring the pot a little uh-huh. bit, asking questions. And here we are, you know, I got to commend Sony for bringing out the PS5 today. I think the launch is, is. I mean, I think they'll be very, very relieved that this system has finally come out and people are starting to, you know, to, to play their, their systems today. But let's, let's be under no, you know, misconceptions here. I mean, they have a lot of work to do to get, get that, get that OS and that firmware to parity to, you know, what people expect. Yeah, I mean, I kind of commend them on the idea that they made a streamlined OS that prioritized getting you into your game right away. And there's no obstruction from, like, the movies that's a separate tab 
So when you go to that main screen, you're not going to see all these, you know, Netflix, Hulu, yeah, all that stuff on the screen. It's here's your games. This is what you can play. And it does remind me of the Switch in many ways because you have the tiles and then it goes to a bigger tile screen after. So it does seem like they almost looked at Nintendo and the Switch and said, you guys really made it a streamlined, you know, type of organized main screen where you knew exactly what you wanted the players to see. We're going to use that, but we're going to make it a little better. We're going to actually give you options to the games, like the activity card. And I think it's going to work well for them. And when you have really good software, you will overlook some of the missing features, like not having the SSD expandable option or not having external hard drive support for PS5 games. You're going to kind of forget those aren't there because you're playing these new exciting games. You're playing Miles Morales or you're playing Demon Souls. And that's where Sony might be in a stronger position than Microsoft, is that they do have those first-party exclusives that are you know, flashing all those brand-new features, like the haptic triggers with the Astro Playroom demo and you know, ray tracing in Spider-Man and everything. So they're, they're basically distracting you from the hardware shortcomings with fantastic software. Whereas Microsoft has that fantastic hardware and fantastic OS features, they just don't have that big next-gen first-party game yet. And you can't distract people with a flashy OS and say, look how awesome we are and distract you by not having games. The games are always the focus, and that's where Sony seem to put their priorities, and it may work out for them, at least in the short term. But we know Sony's roadmap in 2021 is a lot of quality software, and they are going to enhance their operating system with new features over time. So they're going to build up to something great. Hopefully, it just keeps that OS running fast. I don't want to see it become a convoluted mess where it slows down. Yeah, and I don't. I think they'll avoid that. And we can move into some of the Streamlab questions for the week. We had a three dollar donation from. Wolverail12, who writes, Hey, MVG, I was thinking of getting an internal HDMI mod for my PlayStation 2 Slim. Do you know of any places or people that could mod it for me to get HDMI, or do you think I should just buy an external HD converter, and if so, which one? So there are internal HDMI mods that are currently being developed, but as far as I know, none of them are currently out as far as in retail um there are different different solutions you can you can try um i know this question has been asked before when we had john lindman on the show someone asked a very similar question but you could if you wanted to do something now i would recommend getting a component cable for your ps2 and then basically just going through something like an ossc um upscaler into a, a display i think you would get a pretty good pretty good image i've i that's what i have here and i use that myself and i will tell you that games like gran turismo 4 running at 1080i look absolutely amazing so i would say go down that path but if you want to wait for a true hdmi solution then you'll have to wait a little longer when you know some of the uh the internal mods start to become available we then had a hundred dollar donation from the zelda sensei to whom this episode is dedicated to. And they write, Age of Calamity sounds like it is. it has a struggling frame rate issue. This has turned some people off from playing the game. 
What is an issue you guys can't stand that would make you not want to play a game? Ooh. I think frame rate is one for me. Um, depending on, on how bad it is, it, it does it does play a part in my enjoyment of a game. Look, I mean, I would like a lock 30 or a lock 60 on every single game that's out there. Sometimes it's not an option, but if a game starts to dip into the teens and it's it's literally you know i don't want to say ruining but it's hindering my experience then i'm not going to to enjoy have enjoyment from that game yeah i mean frame rate is usually a pretty big one i'd probably have to go with input lag i can't stand a game where i hit like the a button take my thumb off the button and then i see my character jump because if it's that much of a delay, it basically makes my you know response timing impossible. I can't match the movements, and it's you know it's virtually unplayable. Or another issue for me, and just an issue for me and other people, is that when games don't have a colorblind option, games like Puyo Puyo Tetris when they launched on the Switch back in 2017 was actually unplayable for me because I could not tell the difference between some of the colored blocks and trying to play a Puyo Puyo game and not being able to match colors is a recipe for disaster. So I tried the game numerous times. I couldn't play the game. I put it down and they eventually did add a colorblind mode. And that is a feature that more developers have to incorporate into their games, be it multiplayer games like Call of Duty when it comes to the radar. Yep. Because as you know, they it's a red blinking light and I don't see why there aren't options in all those type of games to have blue or any number of colors. We have a lot of colors in the world. You don't have to rely on red and green in all of them. So that'd be something just for you know my personal struggle of colorblindness to see colorblind options. Then had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes, no question this time, just love for the content and look forward to another year of watching. Thank you, Jack. And we look forward to another year of you listening. And that does it for all the Streamlab questions this week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description on YouTube in the description section below. You can donate any amount you want, ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more, and we will dedicate the episode to you. This episode was once again dedicated to the Zelda Sensei. Thank you for your generosity and donation once again. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Hey, thanks for having me on, Nate. It was, it was fun. Enjoyed this one. You can find MVG's YouTube channel linked in the description below, as well as links to his Xbox Series S review and Xbox Series S teardown. And if you enjoyed this video, give the video a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. And as always, continue to embrace the hate.